Hello, and welcome back to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia. I'm the publisher of Seeking Rents. That's a uh, newsletter where we explore the ways big businesses and other special interests influence public policy in Florida. Uh, this is going to be uh, an update from day 35 of the Florida legislature's 2024 session. Um, I'm a little late to this. We're almost all the way through day 36 at this point. Um we got a, a little uh, caught up with with uh, a bunch of stuff. This is the we're in the very busiest part of session uh, aside from the last couple of days. Uh, but anyway, fortunately for me, uh, there wasn't a lot that that moved forward Monday. So we're going to spend today's show just talking about one bill in particular, and that's House Bill Ten Seventy One. This is uh, this is a package, a legislative package, meaning it's a, it, it's it includes a bunch of provisions for the state's Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Um, and that means it comes from Wilton Simpson, the state's uh, elected agriculture commissioner. Now, I'm going to say uh, Wilton Simpson is one of the most interesting guys in Florida right now um, because it sure looks like he wants to run for governor um, in a couple of years. Uh, but he's in sort of a weird spot. It, and what I mean by that is he's Wilton Simpson is like the classic corporate Republican. I mean, this guy is beloved by the business lobby. I am not kidding about this either. Um, just as a quick story, years ago, I remember I was having a conversation with a lobbyist for one of the state's biggest business lobbying groups. Um, this was uh, there was like a really tight race for Senate president going on, and most of the state's biggest businesses were lining up behind um, a former state senator named Joe Negron. Um, and it was a bit odd because, uh, among other things, Joe Negron had not really been a reliable vote for the business lobby on tort reform which is basically a, a fancy way of saying on he wasn't a reliable vote in favor of laws that make it harder to sue businesses. Um, Negron had been, at least in my memory of this conversation, had been pretty aligned or at least sort of moderate um, and sympathetic to the state's trial lawyers who um, obviously don't like making it harder to sue anything. Um, so anyway, me and this business lobbyist were talking about this race, and I, I was asking him why the business lobby likes Joe Negron so much. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, and this is this is almost a direct quote, because Wilton Simpson is with him. That's how much these guys trusted Wilton Simpson. But uh, but what Wilton Simpson is not, at, at least so far as I can tell, is like a, a MAGA culture warrior, at least not a natural one. And that's obviously the group that dominates Republican politics right now. I mean, he goes along with this stuff. One of uh, one of the funnier moments in Florida politics, in my mind, the last few years was when uh, Ron DeSantis uh Hosted uh, his infamous press conference at Disney World, where he uh, he threatened to build a prison at Disney. He had Wilton Simpson with him, and Wilton Simpson had uh, had all the uh, the demeanor of a guy being held at gunpoint there. Um, but uh, but it so he goes along with it, but it's just it always seems like an awkward fit. Anyway, and that brings us back to House Bill Ten Seventy One, which, like I said, is a is a big package of stuff. But in it is one thing in particular that is getting a lot of attention. A ban on lab-grown meat. This is uh, this is something being pitched as like uh, it's drawing a lot of venture capital investment right now. Being pitched as you know a future uh, a future way to sort of uh, you know eventually sort of decrease the need for industrial agriculture and, and sort of help with like climate change and also um, a potentially potentially growing cultivating healthier meats and stuff that doesn't have the same sort of antibiotics that sort of thing. Um, uh, but what's sort of what's sort of funny about this uh, ban on gra uh, lab grown meat is it, it it honestly seems like an idea that was like hooked up in some sort of political lab to like marry corporate favors with uh, with MAGA pandering. Uh, because, I mean, obviously, a bill like this is just like 
raw protectionism for big meat producers, particular, particularly the, the beef and poultry industries. I mean, literally one of the uh, legislators who voted for the bill yesterday uh, literally said he was doing so to protect the agriculture industry. Um, also, as an aside, uh, doing these podcasts uh, more frequently has has reminded me of how often I misuse the word, or I, I overuse the word literally, but I don't think I misuse it. That's important. Um, anyway, so the, the meat industry clearly loves this ban on, on lab-grown meat. Um, cattle industry lobbyists, we, we're already working on plans to push like bills banning companies from labeling this stuff meat. So uh, banning it outright is probably just <laughs> even better for them. But, but I honestly don't think that's what truly motivated this bill. The more and more I see of it and hear from folks discussing it, um, it just seems like a pure pandering issue. Um, like, like as if someone, and I don't know if this would have been Wilton Simpson himself or one of the legislators carrying the bill or some staff member was just sitting at home one day watching Newsmax or something like that and saw a segment about this like newfangled hippie meat coming for your, uh, coming for your steak. And an idea for a bill was born that very day. Um, I actually uh, pulled some records around this, uh, and they didn't turn up any sign whatsoever um, that I can recall of of like the cattle industry writing this bill or even pushing for it. What it um, did turn up is one of the the House bill sponsors, uh, Tyler Sheroy, a Republican from Brevard County, uh, being super excited to tell his local cattlemen association about this idea. It's I mean it's genuinely like. Uh, like this is just like the corporate protectionism here is just sort of icing on a on a cake built of pandering or something like that. Um, and this whole thing was sort of driven home to me um, and part of what sort of made me think more about this by by a tweet that Wilton Simpson posted today um, after this bill passed or today or yesterday. The days run together at this point. Um, but he basically like equated lab grown meat with masks during the pandemic. Like, like it's just another way to exploit all this distrust conservative media has sown in the public health establishment. Um, we're, we're genuinely at the point with this bill at this point where I, I'm just waiting for someone to call it like Fauci meat or something. But listen, this is dumb policy. It is uh, clearly anti-capitalism, but but boy, it, it sure looks like it's going to pass and there's going to be a bunch of uh, real many real meat sort of uh, talking points around it. But the other thing, since we're on House Bill 1071 to talk about is um, that that lab grown meat for all the attention, it's the ban on lab grown meat for all the attention it's getting. That's the, it's not the only thing in this bill. There's a lot more. And some of it is is uh, potentially pretty ominous, too. And specifically, there's another part of the bill that would prevent local governments, cities and counties from doing any kind of regulations around electrical electric vehicle charging stations. You know, it would prevent them from passing rules, uh, you know, dictating where charging stations can be built or, or even potentially programs that like incentivize developers to include charging stations in their uh, in their development plans. You know, the argument here is that um, the rules around electric vehicle charging stations should be uniform across the state. And I, I am sort of sympathetic to that idea. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you want to make sure these play, these are available and everywhere if, you know, if your goal is to foster the growth of the electric vehicle industry. The, the problem is that the bill doesn't actually give you any hint of what the state's going to do here. It's not like it's not like they're setting rules at the state level while preempting a bunch of local rules. This is like so many preemptions we've seen in the past where you know, a, a city or county tries to do something about an issue and the Florida le legislature steps in to stop them from doing anything, but then doesn't do anything itself either. Um, 
So, so this bill is basically putting all the power to regulate electrical electric vehicle charging stations into Wilton Simpson's hands, you know, into the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Um, and there's there's a you know there's some reason to be somewhat suspicious of that. Um, like I mentioned earlier at the start at the start of this, there there's probably not been anybody in Tallahassee in my time covering this stuff who has been um, closer to the state's big business lobby than Wilton Simpson. And in Florida, the big business lobby can basically be distilled to a to a handful of companies. Um, first and foremost among them, Florida Power and Light, the state's biggest power company, biggest electric utility. Um, and Florida Power and Light has a has a, a lot of interest in electric vehicle charging stations. Uh, this is not any any area I've dove, dove deeply into in the past, but but I do remember just a couple of years ago there was a there was a pretty big fight in the legislature um, about whether monopoly electric utility companies like Florida Power and Light, which which are essentially allowed to to get a guaranteed return on their investment, should be allowed to to use those sort of guaranteed investments that are that are covered by their own ratepayers to build electric vehicle charging stations because you know it's it's a huge advantage over over unregulated industries where you know you can't be assured that every investment you make is going to turn going to turn around and, and make you a 12 or 15% profit or whatever appeals margin is right now um, and so there's this this push in the legislature if, if memory serves it was it was being led particularly by racetrack the uh, the gas station company and then one of the big makers, uh, one of, a company that makes electric vehicle charging stations, they they were pushing legislation that that was meant to prevent utilities like FPL from from being able to what they call rate base electrical electric vehicle charging stations. Meaning that if if, if utilities wanted to build them, they had to use it basically out of their their investors' money and without any sort of guarantee that they'd be able to recoup everything from from their ratepayers. Um, it will probably not surprise you to learn that FPL lobbied against that bill and it did not pass. Um, so FPL still has a, a lot of freedom in this space. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we've, we've fully sort of settled what's going to happen in that spot, but if, but if we're basically going to let Wilton Simpson write the rules for charging stations, you know, it, it sort of feels like what we're really doing is letting FPL write the rules for charging stations. I uh, I could be wrong about this. Maybe it'll all work out great, and we really will foster sort of uh, a good transition to electric vehicles. But but boy, it uh, it sure would be nice to see what exactly the state plans to do here before they uh, stop cities and counties from doing anything themselves. So anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow, and hopefully uh, hopefully earlier in the day than today. But as always, thanks for listening. Um, if you haven't already, please sign up for the newsletter. Uh, the, sign up for the newsletter. The easiest way to find us is at seekingrentsfl.com. Subscriptions are free. Nothing's behind a paywall, but there is an option to pay for a subscription if you can afford it. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon.